Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. Today we're going to talk about how can I better battle the temptations in my life. Mark Twain said, quote, It is easier to stay out than to get out. And another man said, quote, Better shun the bait than struggle on the hook. So let's ask the question, maybe you're battling some sinful inclination or whatever going on right now. How can I better battle and win? Well, let's find out from the Bible helps in battling temptation. Let's pray first. Father, as we all struggle and to fight against the world, our flesh, and the devil, we would pray, Lord, whatever we need to hear right now, you will speak to us. And then, Lord, don't just speak to us, but grant us the grace of the Holy Spirit to do what we hear from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Helps in battling temptation number one, pray. Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. So when you get tempted, of course, number one, you pray. <laughs> Some days my prayers go, you know, God, thank you for this, and please help me with this, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Other days my prayers go, God, help! <laughs> when you're attacked, use that as a time to pray. Second, help in battling temptation. Don't think it couldn't happen to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul writes, Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. I believe a Christian is capable of the vilest sin. And I get this from King David. The only person in the Bible of whom it is said he was a man after God's own heart is King David. And he ended up committing adultery and murder. So don't think it couldn't happen to me. Yes, it could. Be careful. I, I'm thinking now of a, of a pastor who had a powerful preaching gift. He was over a huge church, and he was caught with the secretary, and he's lost everything. Next thought in overcoming temptation. Keep busy in the things of God. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Make the most of your time because the days are evil. In other words, to quote the music man, The idle brain is the devil's playground trouble right here in River City. The more free time you've got, the more you're open to sin. I've heard of this prison release program. And you know, a lot of prisoners, when they get released, get in trouble and go back into jail. But this, this is a program where they get people out of jail, they quickly get them jobs, they, they sort things out, and because they're working, their revision rate back into prison is much lower. There's a saying, for every one demon that tempts a busy man, a thousand demons tempt an idle man. 
And when Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, now Timothy, flee youthful lusts. But he didn't stop there. And then he added, and pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call upon God from a pure heart. Paul the Apostle knew it wasn't just enough to run from sin. You've got to replace it with something or the sin will come back. Way back in the 1700s, Jonathan Edwards, great Puritan preacher, preached a sermon called The Expulsive Influence of a New Affection. And the point of his sermon, basically, it was the best way to get over an old love is to get a new love. Best way to get over an old girlfriend is to get a new girlfriend. And his point was the way to get over sin in your life is to get a new love. Follow the things of God. For instance, I can take, here's a glass full of air. I want to get rid of the air in this glass. So how do I do it? Well, I can concentrate on the air and put my hand over it and put this straw and try to suck the air out. It's not going to happen. Or I can take a pitcher of water and I can fill the glass with water and it just naturally squeezes all the air out. There you go. You got something whole new now. And, and that's the way... Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. In other words, get involved in things of God. Pray, read your Bible, go to a good church, do some kind of Christian service. You know, just fill your life with the things of God. And it's not that you'll never sin again, but it'll sure drive things down. Next help in overcoming temptation. Bounce back. When you do sin, claim 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you blow it, when you choose to sin, don't wallow in it. Immediately bounce back, God, please forgive me, and get up again. I uh, recently dealt with a person who committed a certain sin 20 years ago, and he still thinks he's going to hell. And he said to me, do you have any advice? And I said, yeah. The best, one of the best sermons I ever heard many years ago, the pastor said, every time you sin, immediately do three things. Number one, confess it. God, I sinned. Number two, put it under the blood. God, I believe Jesus paid for this sin. And then he said, number three, forget about it. God's forgiven you. Forgive yourself and move on. And I said to this man, you confess that sin? Oh, yes. Never confess it again. First claim, 1 John 1, 9, you're forgiven. Stop thinking you're going to hell. Claim 1 John 1, 9, you believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Bounce back when you sin. Martin Luther said this, God delights in our temptations and yet hates them. He delights in them when they drive us to prayer. He hates them when they drive us to despair. So if you have sinned, don't despair. Confess. Put it under the blood, claim 1 John 1, 9, forgive yourself, God's forgiven you, move on. Next help in overcoming temptation, cut off what you need to. Jesus said in Matthew 5, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Here's a Christian counselor who said that a certain man came into her office and I have a, I have a, uh, uh, problem with hardcore pornography on the internet. And she said, 
well, maybe you should get rid of the Internet. Well, yeah, but there's so much good I do on the Internet, too. I can't get rid of it. She said, finally, after some sessions, he comes in, I got rid of the Internet. <laughs> Listen, at least maybe you should do this. There's something called Covenant Eyes on your computer. You pay a little fee every month, and it sends all the websites you've visited to your prayer partner so that somebody can hold you accountable on that. Pornography is everywhere. Do you cut off what you need to cut off? Next help in overcoming temptation. Maybe get married. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, better to marry than to burn. And his point is, if you've got a really strong sex drive, that's probably God's way of telling you, get married. Next help in overcoming temptation, know that you are not alone. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. <laughs> and some people think you go to church, oh, there's all these holy people here, and then there's me. If they knew my temptations in life, they wouldn't sit next to me in church. No, that's not true. Everybody's got stuff. I had a friend that said, you know, Tom, when I try to pray, I can get the most vile sexual thoughts. And I said, me too. Pray anyway. <laughs> I had, a, I had a young man come for counseling, and he has same-sex attraction. He's, he's got homosexual temptations, and I've, that's been my temptation in my life, too. And, and I counseled with him, and he finally says to me, how did I get stuck with this one? <laughs> and I thought, I know the feeling. But you know what I said? Everybody's got something. You are not unique. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Here's the next help in temptation. Know that there is always an exit. Let me repeat that. Know that there is always an exit. 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can endure, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And hear this. Satan will whisper into your ear, this is who you are. You've always had this problem. You know, you know you're going to give in eventually, so just go ahead and sin. That's a lie from hell. And when we hear that, we have to stand, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, no temptation has overtaken me. God will provide the way of escape. There's always a way of escape. Christian, you don't have to sin anymore. I mean, the world does. The world's under Satan's thumb. But now that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we sin, Christian, it's because we choose to. You don't have to. So I think the lie we need to get over is, I don't have to do that sin anymore because I have Christ. Believe that when Satan whispers that you have to do it. No, you don't. Last help in overcoming temptation. And we've talked about this a lot on this program. Get an accountability partner. James chapter 5 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So I said to that, that person who sinned 25 years ago, you need to get a prayer partner. Somebody you can meet with once a week, pray with him. If, if you still are haunted by your sins, who can assure you that through Christ your sins are forgiven and maybe can help you with whatever problem. You need a prayer partner. We all do. In fact, maybe you won't get over your sin problem until you humble yourself and confess it to another person and get some help. All right, let's put this all together. What will help me battle temptation? We won't be perfect till we're in heaven, 
But this will put a dent into our sin life. Number one, pray when you get tempted. Number two, don't think it couldn't happen to me. Yes, it could. Number three, keep busy in the things of God. Fill yourself with church, Bible reading, prayer, worship tapes, uh, serving the Lord. Uh, bounce back when you blow it. Confess your sins, receive forgiveness, and move on. Uh, cut off what you need to. Uh, maybe you need to get rid of the Internet. Um, get married if you need to. Know that you're normal. Everybody goes through something. Also know there's always an exit. Christian, you don't have to sin anymore. That's a lie. And lastly, get an accountability partner. Find someone that can pray with you about your temptations. You can hold them accountable. They can hold you accountable. But that's worth more than a psychiatrist is to get a good prayer partner. Do those things, and I think we'll have a lot more success in our lives. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. If you have a question that you'd like Pastor Brock to answer on a future show, You'll see our website at the end of the show. You're more than welcome to send your questions, and we'd be glad to uh, work on answering those for you on another program. Pastor Brock, my first question for you today is that when someone prays to God to keep them from sinning, but they still do it, what's going on? Well, you know... That's the first, the first way to overcome temptation that we just preached about was you pray. But prayer by itself is not enough. It's, it's a huge blessing and it's important, but God also gave us something called the church. The church, our Christian brothers and sisters, were also given to us to help us not sin. So maybe the reason the person prays, but I keep doing this, Pastor Brock, well, are you accountable to anybody anywhere? So that could be what's going on, that they're not accountable. Well, if someone is doubting that God forgives them, are there any certain verses that you would yes. recommend that they maybe jot down and read yes. those on a daily they basis? Can, they can memorize. I, too, can be kind of a guilt-ridden guy, wondering if God forgives me. So they can memorize the verses I've memorized, that I quote to myself when I need to. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Or there is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. And if somebody's really blown it, uh, I, I like to take out Psalm 51, David committed adultery and murder, and afterward he, he wrote Psalm 51, begging God's forgiveness and then receiving God's forgiveness. So, so read Psalm 51 out loud. 1 John 1, 9, Ephesians 1, 7, Psalm 51 are good promise verses for salvation and forgiveness. Can you explain confession and absolution? Mm -hmm. I mean, they go together, don't they? They do. And let me th say three ways to do it. Okay. You can do it the Catholic way and the Orthodox way, which means you go to your priest, you confess your sins, and then he announces the absolution, the forgiveness of sins uh, based upon the cross. You can do it that way. You can, uh, actually Lutherans do that too, and so do Episcopalians, but sadly, Lutherans and Episcopalians don't do it as much as they should at all. But that's one way to do it. Go to the pastor. A second way to do it is, is James chapter 5, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. It doesn't say confess your sins to a priest. It doesn't have to be a priest uh, or a pastor, but 
Uh, I've got a prayer partner, a guy that I confess my sins to. He's not a pastor, but he's a mature Christian man. I confess my sins to him. The third way to do it, let's see, I was going to say three ways, wasn't I? <laughs> my point is, you do it to a pastor or a priest, or you do it to a, a Christian that you trust, but we need, everybody needs a priest in the sense that we have accountability. Okay, I guess my next question is, do we need to take Holy Communion to be forgiven? I've heard people say that after they take communion, they feel like they've really, truly been forgiven, but then they still go out and sin. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Well, you know, here's, communion is a blessing because when Jesus gave communion, he said, take and drink the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. Communion is all about the forgiveness of sins. It's, it's the way God assures us that I forgive you, I still love you. But Jackie, we, we need to not overdo that. When my grandpa was dying, <clears throat> my Lutheran mom was just a little too insistent that grandpa get communion right before he dies. <laughs> As if, if, if he doesn't, he's not gonna make it. And no, look, listen, Jackie, if you're, if you're in church on Sunday morning and you're gonna go up to take communion and you die from a heart attack on the way from the pew to the, uh, the, the altar, you're still going to heaven. You still know Christ. Your sins are forgiven. All right, so why do we take communion? Because some of us are guilt-ridden, and we need to hear the word shed for the forgiveness of all your sins. It's a comfort. It's an assurance of our forgiveness, which we already have in Christ. Okay, I guess then my next question would be is, how does a person know if guilt is from God or from the devil? Mm -hmm. I mean, is God making me feel guilty because I've done this, yeah. or is the devil just making me do this so that God can be angry with right, me? Right. So here's, here's I think, one, one way to respond. Jackie, if you sin and you feel guilt, that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Spirit will convict the world of sin. So if you sin and you feel guilty, that's the Holy Spirit telling you, ask for forgiveness. So then you ask for forgiveness. And then if you feel guilt after that, that's not the Holy Spirit anymore. That's the devil trying to get you under condemnation. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of Christians confess the same sin, like let's say you do an awful sin and then you confess it 15 times. No, no, you confess it once, claim God's forgiveness, and then if you still feel guilt, that's not the Lord anymore. That's the devil getting you under condemnation. Another good verse to claim is Romans 8, verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if someone has that strong sex drive, Mm -hmm. Do you recommend that they're supposed to get married? Uh, normally, yes. Okay. Again, that comes from 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul, and he's talking generally, better to marry than to burn, therefore let every man have a wife, wife have a husband. And that's the general term. But then in the same chapter, read all of 1 Corinthians 7, it talks about God gives certain people the gift of celibacy where they're supposed to be single for the Lord. So it depends what your gift is. It's either marriage or it's celibacy. Okay. Well, Tom, since we're all sinners mm -hmm. and we continue to sin even though we, you know, don't want to, will we ever get to the point in our lives where we won't sin? There are a few Christian denominations that teach sinless perfection and that you can get to the point where you never sin anymore. <clears throat> I don't know what Bible they're reading. <laughs> Mine says 1 John 1.8. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, we're forgiven. Now in the same book, to be honest, 1 John 3, 
no one who knows him sins. And, and no one, uh, and meaning, and that's kind of a heavy verse. Well, I, the, the, the present tense continual is there. Uh, no one who knows him continually sins. That's right. And if you do sin, you repent. So we need to also read 1 John chapter 3, where it talks about when you're a Christian, your life cleans up. And that's true. But to say that you never sin anymore is not in the Bible, Jackie. Yeah. Okay. When do we pray the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our trespasses. I mean, we pray that regularly. What? For, forgive me what I did 15 years ago? We sin in thought, word, and deed daily. That's the thing is that if we continue sinning, though, I mean, I think it's hard to try to determine, even as a Christian, what's making me do this. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I, I will tell you, I heard a good sermon on that recent, real recently. And he said, when we continue to sin, it's because something deep down has not been healed. And once the Lord heals that, is when the victory comes. Yeah. Okay, there, a person says they committed adultery years ago and they have never told anyone about it and this person is married and he says especially he hasn't told his wife. He thinks he's going to hell. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts and what would, should this person do? Can he be saved? Indeed he can. Again, David committed murder and adultery and uh, read Psalm 51, God forgave David. So if you're sorry for your sins, you trust in Christ, your sins are forgiven. The, big, the bigger, oh, not a, the bigger question, but you know the other question, Jackie, and I'm gonna ask you this question, Jackie. The, let's say the man committed adultery 20 years ago against his wife, never told her. Should he tell her? What do you, I'm not married. What do you think? If, you, if somebody commits adultery against their spouse, should they tell them? I don't think it's ever too late to confess something that may strengthen that marriage even more. Uh -huh. And it may test your partner to hear that as to how you're going to, what you're going to do. I mean, you know, you promise in your wedding vows till death do us part. But if there's obstacles, how do you overcome those obstacles? I guess being honest with each other and sharing these things. That's a good answer, Jackie. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we all have done things that we probably are ashamed of, Tom. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, God forgives us, so we shouldn't continue to dwell on the fact that we've done something. Yeah. We should be going positively forward and building on our relationship with our spouse yeah. and our families and those people who have wronged us. And I think that we hit, would have, a, you will have a much better life. I agree, I, I, think, I think so too, yeah, there you go. So, all right, Tom, let's talk a little bit more though about what you're doing now besides the TV show. Okay, everybody, we're gonna update you because we got a, just a few minutes left. But everybody, we've been doing this TV show since 1988. And, and I had dark hair. Uh, and yes, and I had hair. <laughs> and, and then, then about six years ago, we went national. And now some of you are seeing us all over the country. We, we used to just be in Minneapolis. And uh, it, it takes money to be on the TV all over the country and and then we buy local channels so uh, we don't buy the channel we buy time on the local channel so if you are in the uh, Duluth Minnesota Rochester Minnesota Wichita Kansas Phoenix Arizona Omaha Nebraska um, Madison Wisconsin 
Um, there may be a few others. You also see us on local TV. We're nationally on, on a, a Christian network. So uh, I, we just want to thank you because some of you are praying for this ministry because we, you know the most common compliment we get? Thank you for speaking the truth. We can't get our pastor to bring up these issues from the pulpit. Thank you for taking a biblical stand on moral issues, etc. So thank you for praying. And, and just if the Lord nudges you to help support us, here's what we do. Uh, I get a modest salary. Everybody else, Jackie and all the people working the cameras and the people that run our website, the people put us on you, everybody else is a volunteer. And when people send us money, Jackie, it goes to buy new airtime in new cities. So if the Lord nudges you to support us, you'll see our, you can do it on our website, you can do it that way, or you can see an address coming up at the end of the show. But thank you for those of you that give, because I sure didn't know that we'd still be on the air six years after going national, but there you go. Do you know, Tom, when you talk about Duluth, I always, it comes to mind, I have a friend who called me up and said, I happened to be up in Duluth in my motel room, and I happened to turn on the TV, and there you were, Jackie, with this minister. And, you know, it was like she didn't know I was doing this yeah. or anything, and yeah. she now is a regular viewer of yeah. our program. And, and can I tell you one? I grew up in Omaha with a, a man who's exactly my age. We did not get along. Now he starts seeing our TV show in Omaha. He loves our show. <laughs> And we are kind of friends again. Isn't this something? How the Lord can do stuff. So, Well, it is amazing. I mean, um, I can tell stories about people coming up to me in grocery stores mm -hmm. or in the nursery where I'm looking at plants. And mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it, it is such a reward, but it's such a blessing to know that we're reaching people yes. that they see this. Yep. And, you know, I just think God puts these people in front of us sometimes just to keep us going. Indeed, indeed he does, because we have no idea how many people watch this show. But when I have elderly people say, thank you, I can't get out of the house, but we watch you for church now, this kind of thing. So again, thank you, everybody. Pray for us. If the Lord nudges you to support us, there's the address coming up, but there you go. And we pray that God would be with you in the coming days and weeks, granting you his richest blessings until we're all together another time Thanks and God bless. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.